Hi, my name is Maddie Tarbox, and I feel pissed about imposter syndrome. And it's just these voices in my head that tell me I am better off giving up or giving in instead of letting people down. And now these voices pull me in and make me stay in bed instead of getting up and convincing me that the morning's not my friend. Voices that they try to hide away. And here we go with the opportunity of a lifetime to interview such an intelligent person. And I am nervous as hell. Thank you, everybody, for coming to the Imposter Syndrome Podcast. I am your host, Matt Dell. Uh, this is episode number 11. Exciting, number 11. I think that's a lucky number. It is for us because we are lucky to have our guest on today. Our guest is the wonderful, talented, incredibly intelligent Maddie Tarbox, uh, university professor as well at, uh, I believe I'm going to pronounce this correctly, Shenandoah University. I may have not pronounced that correctly. And it didn't take me four takes to try to get it. <laughs> uh -huh. I'm really excited about this episode. Was really nervous about it. Um, because, uh, you know, I, I took uh, a class from Maddie. It was her voice function 101 class. Uh, and it was when I finished my my parents uh, and, and my wife went out and they bought me a frame <laughs> and they put the little certificate that uh, Maddie gives at the end uh, right there on my wall. Uh, so that was fun and exciting, I guess. Uh, but I was so happy to be part of that course. There were so many gaps in my knowledge that her course helped to fill in, especially after experiencing trauma, because that's what this is all about. This is all about my process of, you know, coming back from that trauma. And one of the things that happened to me after experiencing it is all of my knowledge gone. Everything that I had learned, everything I knew, just fog and i when i was trying to come back there was a couple classes that i took one was uh somebody melanie tapson who i hope will come on this podcast as well because super intelligent person as well uh and the other class i took was maddie tarbox's voice function 101 and the thing i liked about maddie's course is that everything i had learned she found a way to simplify it at all and simplified it at all, <laughs> simplify it all and connect it. Uh, so that way it really connected all my information. And it, it still took me some time to come back from the fog, but I was able to clear a lot of that and come back to, you know, not only who I used to be, but I think even better. Um, so I'm incredibly grateful she's on the show today. Uh, as of today, how do I feel about imposter syndrome? Well, I think you can tell how I feel about imposter syndrome today. I am so fidgety for some reason. Uh, yeah. So how I feel today, this is episode number 11. I'm going to be posting episode number one uh, at, the beginning of, at the beginning of July. And uh, I, I'm really nervous about it. I don't know why. There's no expectations of this, but I am getting progressively more nervous before I was getting to a point where it's like, Oh, I'm getting used to this. This isn't so bad. Uh, you know, I can, I can definitely do this. 
at some points I was getting curious about imposter syndrome. And now I feel bad about it again. I feel bad about it again, <clears throat> which I guess proves the point of something that I had said earlier in, in another podcast. One thing I said in another podcast is that imposter syndrome isn't afraid of the thing. It's just afraid. And I feel like, again, this is another proof of that because my imposter syndrome isn't afraid of like, you shouldn't start this because I've already started. I'm 11 episodes in. I've already episode, I've already edited the first nine episodes. Like I'm already there, but it's not afraid of you shouldn't start it. It's now afraid of you shouldn't post it. So my uh, imposter syndrome sounds like, it sounds like Jerry Lewis, I guess. What a reference, Jerry Lewis. <laughs> yeah, for all my podcast listeners who are over the age of 65, you'll get that reference. Um, okay. So, uh, you know, what am I doing to deal with that? I'm, I'm just pushing forward. I'm just every day getting up and pulling up the episodes and editing them and, um, sending them to the people to listen to before we post them, obviously, of course, because I want everyone to feel comfortable with whatever's posted, uh, and just pushing forward. And regardless of whatever that part of my brain is like, Oh, stop. If you put it out there, every the whole world will fall apart. Yeah, that one I don't, I don't know who that is. Uh, somewhat different. Um, there's so many voices up there, I guess. Apparently, but uh, yeah, it's just pushing forward. It's not letting that voice in my head stop me. It's pushing forward regardless of what it thinks, with the with the goal, with the goal of providing my brain evidence that it's okay to be nervous. Nervousness is okay, but it's also okay to keep moving forward as well. There are lots of things that I have to say that will bring knowledge to people that all of these incredibly intelligent, talented people that have been on so far also have knowledge to give on to people. Uh, you know, I've really enjoyed listening to all these episodes I've been editing so far. And I'm not just saying that to promote the podcast. I actually did enjoy listening to them. Um, so that's the thing. It's providing my brain evidence that it's going to be okay. You're nervous. I get it. That's fine. But let's put it out there and let's, let's, let's try it. If it fails miserably, then it does. Who cares? What do I lose? Nothing. I, ha I will have just as much as I did before I started it, which was not a podcast. So that's fine. And then if it ends up doing something, that's great. So far, it's already done some great things. It's already given me the opportunity to talk to a lot of incredible people. And uh, uh, hopefully I'm able to continue that and push myself. I've been feeling hesitant of reaching out to a few people that I want to interview next. Uh, you know, that imposter syndrome has kind of blocked me from wanting to message them. But I think now that I say that, I'm going to do that right now after I introduce what a wonderful guest we have today. Uh, on the podcast, Imposter Syndrome, our guest, Maddie Tarbox. Maddie, thank you so much for being here. Tell me what this is. Is this part of the studio, separate from the studio? Or are you still teaching? What are you doing? It's a good question. I still haven't figured that out yet. Uh, yeah. the, the whole thing is, is uh, I'm still teaching. I've still got all my students and whatnot, but 
the the very long story short of it all is a couple of years ago and this will get dark for a second uh, it's okay i'm sure it'll get dark today i have a feeling (laughs) yes (laughs) that plays to my emo heart um yes so a couple years ago uh my wife and i we lost uh our our twins my wife had preeclampsia that went to help syndrome and we lost them at 24 weeks and the even worse part about it is uh you have to have a ceremony for them and they were buried (sighs) in my brother's grave that I lost when I was younger. Oh my so, God. And it was during COVID. So there's like so many things happening all at once that coming out of that kind of trauma, uh, it left me with quite a little bit of imposter syndrome. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, one of the reasons why I actually took your class is because I, I had studied biology in the past. I had studied all this, all this stuff. But after that happened, my brain just whiteboarded. <laughs> just mm-hmm. completely, I don't know what's going on. Yeah. So the the extremely helpful thing with your class is that it brought all that back in again. And I was super appreciative of that. That's and so good. I still find that I struggle with that imposter syndrome at times. And I find that, you know, when we talk about it, we help to see that we are not the only ones that struggle with this when we think that we are. And mm-hmm. it's to help my brain realize that and then help other people realize that as well. Just kind of shining a spotlight on it. Yeah, I think it's something that we have to talk about. The second that you emailed me, I was like, oh my gosh, we were just talking about this in my business group. Here's this article. Here's this thing. Have you heard this side of it? What's all this about? So I'm very excited that you're doing this. I think it's awesome. Yeah, it's been it's been really eye opening to see all these people that I really uh, I respect in the industry, teachers and, and singers and stuff. And then having them say like, oh, no, I feel the same. And it's like, really? You do. Yeah. And like it everybody just seems does. to be everybody everybody mm-hmm. feels like they're doing this version of fake it till you make it mm-hmm. uh, very much so so with this one it's all based off the prompts the first time you felt it the most recent time and how you deal with it so do you remember yeah. that very first realization of it yeah you know i was thinking about this question because i got your email i was like okay i want to think through these questions a little bit i was when i was younger i was raised in a pretty like musical family in a musical community that did a lot of, like my mom was a voice teacher. She ran a children's choir, uh, musicals everywhere. I was, if if context is helpful, I was born and raised in Utah in a Mormon family. So the Mormons are very like music all the time, constant. So (laughs) that definitely gave a, a, like a solid foundation, lots of, you know, live voice modeling for me and stuff like that and voice teacher modeling. And I just grew up like, this is normal. This is great. And as I went to high school, I I had a lot of confidence as a kid. Actually, <laughs> I was very much like, yeah, I belong here. This yeah. is it. This is, this is my place. And then, um, as I went into college, it was, this stark difference. It was, it was very much the like big fish in a little pond to little fish in a big pond kind of Mm -hmm. situation. Mm -hmm. Um, and, but I don't remember very specifically feeling like I don't belong here. What I do remember feeling like the brand of imposter syndrome that fell on me was like, how do I prove I belong here? It's very solution oriented, you know, cause that's just my brain. I was like, let's fix it. How do I prove I belong here? (laughs) And that turned into, a lot of people pleasing, mm-hmm. a lot of um, 
I have a very like achiever mindset, if that's not apparent for those who know me. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's it, like, let's achieve all the things to make people proud, to prove that I am deserving of this, that, or the other. Mm -hmm. um, and I feel like only just recently am I starting to see that pattern in my life. It has not been that long that I've done the work to go like, oh, maybe all those achievements were rooted in this very deep, dark place. You know what it's I mean? It's so strange that when I was told when I was younger that age brings wisdom, I was like, yeah, sure, whatever. And then it actually does. It actually does. <laughs> it really so does strange. work that way. Um, <laughs> it seems to be such a common theme that when talking to people about like, you know, I did this and everything was cool. And then I went to college university and then my, my confidence sunk. Uh, yep. and, and that seems to be a common thing. I also know the one of feeling like you have to prove yourself. So for yeah. me, I've been a teacher now for almost eight years and I don't have a university or college background. I just spent my time sweating on people, screaming at them in the audience. Uh, <laughs> yes, <laughs> that's all so I ever good. did. And just lots of chants and mosh pitting. Um, yes. And when I came in, I didn't realize that there's value to having, I've had four songs on radio. I've toured North America several times. There's value in that. And I didn't see that. And I remember early in teaching, one of the things I was, I was taught was don't let anybody see that unconfident side of you when you're teaching because the student mm -hmm. lose confidence in you. After about a month, I was like, mm, I can't do that. I have to tell them that like, I'm not feeling, if they ask me a question, I have to be like, I don't know. Next week I will. Yes. I promise you. And I would spend way too much time studying it but i would find it out by the next week and i find just like being that open and honest about how you're feeling is very helpful very helpful i think the students respond better to that than the fake it till you make it they know yeah. especially this generation i teach a bunch of gen zers they see right through just about everything all <laughs> all the like masking that we put that we learned to put up i don't know what generation you are but i'm in millennial land and that's i'm yes. i'm gonna be 38 this year yeah 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 absolutely so elder yes. millennial i guess is, that, I guess is so. that technically your dead center i don't even know the dates of it all so i had i don't know where it all sits but i think millennial because when i was a kid i was yelled at as a millennial all the time <laughs> you millennials yeah. you millennials yes, that's what i heard absolutely. all the time absolutely that's what it is yeah it's weird i i really want to have the confidence of a Gen Zer or an athlete. One of those two would be great. One of those two would be awesome. They're so confident and they know what they deserve. At mm. least the students that I work with, they they don't put up with being trauma inflicted by our generation. They just don't. They're like, no, this is not it. And I just am so inspired by them on the daily for that that I'm like, huh, maybe I could do that too. Maybe that'd be good. Yeah. But the honesty that you're talking about bringing into lessons and um, just say, being willing to say, I don't know, mm -hmm. instills so much more trust than making up some bullshit. Is it okay that we swear on this podcast? Is that okay? Fuck yeah, let's do it. <laughs> yeah, good. <laughs> let's go for it. Uh, yeah, no, I, I, I completely agree with that because then it lets, first of all, it humanizes you as a teacher with it, which mm -hmm. I think is important between them. And I, I think the whole aspect of of saying, I don't know what's going on here, builds the trust in them being like, oh, he may not know, but he'll do the work. He's going to find out. Instead yeah. of like some teachers that I've seen from students, well, they'll just be like, I don't know what to do with you. Bye-bye. I'm done. Exactly. Yeah. And they'll uh, some teachers will turn it on the student and be like, maybe this isn't for you when that's oh. not the case. Yeah, no way. No way. But I mean, 
if we're speaking on trauma responses, I feel like that's definitely something that's been in the voice teacher historical canon of how we were conditioned to respond to mm -hmm. something that was unfamiliar to us or so, or the industry has been so fearful of not knowing, of not being the every answer there ever was. Yeah. When you look at it critically and you go, that's impossible. That is impossible. I cannot, honestly, I deal with it with even teaching my teacher training courses is a question will come up that I haven't dug into myself personally that I don't consider myself an expert on in any way. Mm -hmm. And like the way I clam up is very real. I don't usually clam up in session because I recognize and have worked to be like, yeah, I don't know that, but I will go find afterwards yeah. so much beating myself up about it for not knowing the answer you know for what not i mean knowing everything in the world ever correct yeah all the time it happens all the time so even with i guess for anyone listening even with people who appear to be thought leaders in an industry they don't know everything it's impossible no. there's no way there's no way so there's, we're embracing there's, that there is no way and i think uh, you know, one thing that I found when I first started, um, and, and this, this will take it into the topic we talked about over email that I have been feeling so much imposter syndrome about and have obsessively researched by accident. Ooh, tell me. <laughs> um, it's the concept when I first started, I was like, I have to prove I can do everything. Right. So I took on everybody mm -hmm. and realizing that my strong suit was more the mechanical side of things, technical side, but I'm taking on like R and B students, rap students. I am a punk rocker. I know nothing about those two. Uh -huh. And we had a couple teachers who teach that. Uh, um, and I'm like, I'm, I'm taking away the opportunity for, you know, this person to know more about this culture with this teacher. And I'm taking that away because I feel like I have to prove something. Yeah. And that, that started to get into the realization in that email of what imposter syndrome is starting to become renamed as. Yeah. Right. I think the, yeah, you go, you go. So when researching that, I found, so there's lots, right? So when we talked about this, it's the concept that, uh, and I'm, I'm, I'm going to botch this and I'm going to do my best, but it's the, it's the aspect of imposter syndrome isn't necessarily imposter syndrome, or it's not a personal fault. It's a societal fault yes. because it keeps women, uh, women of color, people of color, like all of these things out of the system that, that basically male white supremacy has gatekeeped for so long and it makes yes. them feel like if you don't look or act like us then you don't fit here Very and it's so. that it's that strange thing um what so you had a con you had a conversation yeah, yeah, yeah. what happened with this you know it's so interesting because yes we all experience there's i mean there are so many levels i can start with the idea that like okay the word imposter syndrome is thrown around like crazy everywhere we go because everyone experiences it and yet it had it has become pathologized mm -hmm. as opposed to just acknowledged as part of the human condition something we all experience and with that I don't know if this is a word pathologization and <laughs> we'll take it. We'll, we'll run with it. I can't spell um, it, but <laughs> me neither. Uh, with that, it has, we start to take it on as a, as you said, as a fault of our own, instead of a fault of the systems and power structures that have been in play to keep marginalized communities in their place. Mm -hmm. There, uh, 
the I mean, you can range from like whether it was done intentionally to whether it was just done because we're all ingrained in this system. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's very much there. The interesting intersectionality of being a voice teacher who runs a private studio and a voice teacher who's in academia is that I'm currently in two different systems. One system that is very much for and made by women, like to be a voice teacher, predominantly women, right? Mm -hmm. Predominantly. Mm -hmm. It is expected more commonly than not that your voice teacher winds up being a woman. Yeah. So there's less of that imposter syndrome or the, uh, what's the word, like workplace and um, what was the word I used earlier? I can't even remember the this is the power structures that are in play there to keep us down i don't think about that often in my private studio however academia was not built and for by women or people of color or any marginalized community that's true and that power structure (laughs) is very interesting to have to figure out how to navigate my own feelings of inadequacy within that ways that it winds up showing up are like i have yet to publish a paper and I'm the kind of person who could, mm-hmm. but I'm like, how in the world do my thoughts, what can I possibly add to the canon of knowledge that's out there? Everything's been done, everything's been covered, and it's all been done by people who are much better, much smarter, much more well-researched than I am. And so I sit and I don't do it, I have, still haven't done it yet. I imagine you even probably feel that way about the podcast itself too because a million <laughs> podcasts in the world right does it come up for you i uh i said to jen i was like you know i'm feeling a lot of problems in life so what everyone should do when they feel problems in life is to solve them start a podcast so that's what i did <laughs> that's it yes <laughs> that, that'll solve all my life's problems and it's it's weird because at the beginning of every session uh, i haven't posted any of these yet it's coming out in july july is when i'm going to start cool. and the reason why it's going to start in july is because i went i should never post these and i set a date and i'm like you have to now Mm-hmm. And the beginning section for five or six or seven minutes is me trying to figure out how I feel about imposter syndrome mm. and kind of navigating those wells. And when I first started this podcast, I thought to myself, who would ever want to be on this? Like, what's in it for them? You are now number 11. And That's awesome. Yeah. So the unfortunate bipolar part of me is that I went, I should start a podcast and then booked 11 of them in two weeks and now have 11 to edit. That uh, is a lot of work, but also lot, exciting. It's a lot of work. Uh, and then my brain has shifted to who would ever want to listen to this at all? I put it mm. out on Instagram and some people said yes. And then my brain went, well, then this must be the best podcast that's ever existed or you'll fail. And it's like, I'm finding what's happening is that imposter syndrome isn't afraid of the thing. It's just afraid. Mm. Oh, say more that because that I feel like that's getting at something very, very deep. Like it's the concept of it, it acts as this big, gigantic monster and it tries to keep you back. But every time you step forward, it steps back mm. and it will always attach itself to something new, which yes. I guess isn't a bad thing because it will direct you into the correct paths as well. Um, but it's that thing where it's just, it's not afraid of the thing. It's just nervous for you. And you kind of have to provide it evidence to, to prove that it's like, you don't have to be panicked. Unfortunately, my brain doesn't listen to the evidence, but of course, yep. Yep. That's kind of what I'm starting to realize. Yeah. You know, 
it makes me wonder because if we want to look at it through the like okay so imposter syndrome is are these feelings of inadequacy when we're fully qualified to do what it is that we're doing still having feelings of inadequacy but we know it's rooted in the power structures that are around us it's not us that's the problem it's the surrounding world that we live in yeah what is it about when you're out of a traditional workplace like yeah. as a private voice teacher or as a podcaster in this example what mm -hmm. do you think the system is that's beating down on that if we had to dig i don't so this is this is something i i, I have pondered uh terribly and mm -hmm. i i don't know i know with um, the school that I worked for, it's, it's one of the biggest schools in Toronto. Uh, they've worked with people like the weekend and a bunch of other people, Yeah, yeah, yeah. which is cool. Um, to come and for me to start in a, that's the first school I taught at. So to start in a system like that, I, I look at it and I'm like, this is so massive. This is so big. I don't know. Cause I jumped last year to do this on my own. How will I ever become that? I don't want 750 students. I, I just want, <laughs> I want a few. Uh, and it just, I don't know. I feel this overwhelming thing of like, that's what I have to achieve mm. when that's, that's not the case. I don't know. It's, I've been pondering this terribly. So it's all the, like, um, the representation of high achieving people and high achieving, uh, companies mm -hmm. who are also probably faking it. Uh, if probably, you, yes. <laughs> also yes. probably faking it also dealing with their own imposter syndrome. But you know, it might be, I mean, we still don't know the full effects of what social media does to us, but when we have so much representation of so many high achieving people, you feel like the bar is so high in all industries. You know what I mean? Social media is is the best and the worst. Yes. So I was with the imposter syndrome. Uh, I delayed myself posting on TikTok to just the perfect time when you could no longer explode on TikTok. <laughs> you just, I'm going to wait until TikTok's dead and then I'll do it. <laughs> that seemed to be what I was doing. I'm like, perfect. No one's on anymore. I'm going to jump on. Perfect. Yeah. Uh, and like, I see everybody where it's like, they'll have 15,000, they'll have 200,000, they have whatever this and that. And I'm at like 700 and something, which is better than yeah. some people that I know, which is cool. Um, yeah. and I'm, I'm super appreciative to anybody who wants to listen to it at all whatsoever. Uh, but it's that weird thing where you're, you're constantly like, I need more likes. I need more views. And with TikTok, the algorithm changed. So your views went down. Yeah. And all of a sudden you're like, Oh, I'm failing everything. And just, yes. it's a terrible thing. And I don't know if you feel this, you're, you're pretty solid with posting. I, I feel like you post every day. I try to, or, or I did something. prior to this year, prior to this school year, this school year got me. I was like, what is the schedule I put myself into? But well, yes. Algorithm's terrible for that. It is really bad. <laughs> it is painful. I went from this uh, period where I was, Instagram was the, pri the primary social platform that I used. And then I got into TikTok and I blew up on TikTok for a little while. And now, it switched something about the algorithm has switched and now all of a sudden i get lots of love on instagram and like 200 views for my 20,000 followers 200 views on something when I, and and you're just like all okay. right 
And it does mess with your head because the dopamine hit that comes when you get the likes and you get the follows and you get the comments and you get the support all of a sudden just taken away. Yes. Totally messes with you. You know what I mean? In a really, really big way to the point that you do feel like you're failing. You do feel like you're doing something wrong. You do feel like people are bored with you. Yeah. And uh, gosh, I, I don't know if I totally have the solution, but I will say all I tried to do was stay consistent and remind myself that I am not a mass market kind of person. I am sure. for a very specific kind of person. Sure. There are not that many, I shouldn't say, there are a number of people who are interested in voice science, but mm -hmm. not as many who are just interested in Billie Eilish dancing around in her house, you know? So, and accepting that, oh, okay, yeah, the people that I serve are very, very different mm -hmm. and fewer, but when you recognize that making a difference in one teacher's life has a massive effect because they make such a difference in many people's lives because they themselves are mentors, that's that little kernel that stays in my heart that's like, it still matters even if one person gets a thing. You found your thing within helping teachers. Yes. And that yep. has been and that has been your thing. What was it like getting to that point <laughs> and trying was... to find that? <laughs> It was so, um, I did not know what I didn't know when I started it. I went in <laughs> with just like the most innocent of intentions in the world where I was like, you know what? I just got this really amazing degree with like information that has absolutely changed my life. I want to bring it back home to Utah because that felt safe mm -hmm. uh, and share it with people there because there are so many teachers teaching in Utah with zero qualifications. Exactly yeah. how I started. Like your neighbor asks, do you teach voice lessons? You sing and play the piano, you must do it. And so you do it. That is rampant in the state of Utah. <laughs> and I was like, you know what? I just wanna go home, bring this home to the people I grew up with and help. And the first summer of working with teachers, 10 people signed up and I was over the moon that 10 people signed up. I was, I was so thrilled and I just was like, yeah, this feels good. This feels safe. This is great. And I helped some people and they started their studios and that was exciting. And then I ran it again the next summer and did mm -hmm. not run it in between. That was the summer you were involved with, Matt. That was the yeah. next time I ran Voice Function 101. No joke. And it was and very well done. I thank you. We we learned a lot in the year that I that I took to kind of mull it over. Mm. But um I all of a sudden as people were signing up as, as we got closer to the launch date like when we started, it wound up being 60 teachers who sound, who signed up and I was like and it all happened very quickly. I would have put a cap on it except you know when you run some kind of a special one day and like you don't look at your phone for three hours and all of a sudden you look at your phone again and you're like whoa oh okay mm -hmm. okay was definitely the response there and i started to feel a little like i better be fucking brilliant you know <laughs> was yeah. definitely the energy um and so i did work to refine the course as much as i could and make sure that it reached more than um that it, that it could serve more than just the, I've never had this background before, mm -hmm. the to just total newbies to people who have had degrees, people who have been through training programs, people who come from 
many different kinds of backgrounds. Um, and we're still learning to continue mm -hmm. to serve pe the people who come through our doors in different ways. Uh, we wound up, you know, spanning across a number of different countries as well. And I have not, I've not traveled much. And I know that I have a lot to learn in serving different communities from different sure. backgrounds. So I don't know if that answered the question. I'm not sure if I remember the question <laughs> at this point. <laughs> I love it. This, this is where it's going. The, it's that aspect of like what it felt like when you first started. And that's that. Like yeah. that aspect of like, okay, so you have all of a sudden, like all these 60 people right. show up from 10 the first time. Mm -hmm. There's that moment of like, oh no, I fucked up. Oh, no. This is going to be so hard. This and is then, so much bigger than me now, you know? But I think that's the thing with this industry. And I think one of the reasons why imposter syndrome might be big, at least in this industry, is because of that. So many people are, their next door neighbor is like, do you sing? Yep. Teach my kid. <laughs> Great. Yep. And nobody came from anything else or they're in bands or whatever. So yeah. there is such a need for people to understand the the actual like mechanics of of the voice and people don't. And you you nailed that on the head, whether it was on purpose or not, nailed it. Because there's so many people I know that are teachers that when I was working at the school, they would send students to me because they're like, I don't understand what's happening here. Mm -hmm. like, what am I hearing? Yep. What am I seeing? And I could see it or hear it. And then I explain it to them. They go, can you just take them for a little bit? Because <laughs> I don't understand can you how just... that went. <laughs> so good. <laughs> at least you had colleagues who were at the stage where they felt comfortable enough to do that and weren't dealing with the same kind of imposter syndrome of, I have all the answers. And that Matt guy over there, he doesn't know. <laughs> you know, the scarcity mindset stuff, right? Yeah. yeah. It is very interesting to go from that, like, I nailed it to, oh no, what have I done? <laughs> Simply based on the... I think maybe it was based on the, I knew the people I was serving the first round mm -hmm. and then I worked to grow a social media following. And I didn't realize just how far that social media following went when people from many different backgrounds started to show up. Um, anytime someone that appears like a big name winds up signing, signing up for my course, actually like a pit drops in my stomach. I go, Oh no, please don't. <laughs> every yeah. single time secretly you being one of those people matt i was like oh no please you were so oh my gosh you're so stinking smart what anytime you submitted a quiz i was like i think this guy knows more than me i think he does <laughs> was definitely okay. a response so the quizzes that you would send out you, people like I, I can't remember it was like 30 minute recommended i would yeah. spend three hours <laughs> three hours and that's why the answers were so eloquent jen jen would come in here and she's like just stop <laughs> stop writing it. and i'm like i can't i've currently found a thing from harvard and i have to understand six steps before this now and it was all of i that. do that all the time yes yes oh it's I, so hard i felt that with this dude right here if you know the tv show stranger things mm -hmm. uh there's the bully character his his name was billy he's david yep. montgomery yeah uh he came to shoot a movie in toronto and someone said i need someone to teach him how to play elton john on piano you need to do it. And I was like, oh, okay. okay. And mm -hmm. here's the thing. I'm a voice teacher, not a piano teacher. Oh, no. <laughs> so, so, of course, what did I do? I went, you bet. And Of course, take the opportunity, right? Yeah, it was, I had, they're like, okay, so the shoot is in four days. So I had to learn how to play Don't Go Breaking My Heart on piano in four days. And... Uh, one of the piano teachers helped me get there 
mm-hmm. I got there and then I spent approximately about 18 hours a day for three days just constantly hammering it until I got it and then I brought it in and worked with them and the whole entire time I wanted to vomit every single every single minute of it right yeah but I will say one of the things that one of my mentors at school talked about he said we're not here to give you all the answers for those of you who Matt Edwards if you're familiar with Matt Edwards he is just a phenomenal voice teacher in our industry but he always said we're not here to give you all the answers we can't possibly but what Mm -hmm. we do want to do is teach you how to teach yourself teach you how to go and look teach you the mindset of okay whatever it is i can figure it out i know i can and that has definitely stuck with me and sounds like exactly what you did with the piano situation right you're just like i don't know how but i know i have the skills to figure it out i have i have done that for most of my career i think for most of my career so like I said, I came from a punk rock bank background and I feel like I have kind of felt like that in this too, because even too, when I was taught how to teach, it was that aspect of you want to, you want to guide the, the student through it, but never ask them how a certain thing felt. Don't ask them mm-hmm. how things feel. And I, after a while, I was like, I, I, I don't, I don't know how to connect these dots. So I started asking people like, how did that take feel? And what I grew to do for myself is I want to see how they assess it. How did they analyze? Because then it lets me know, okay, so here's the things I need to help them. I need to teach them to show them to be able to then teach themselves. Yep. That's, that's kind of how hundred percent you have to, I think it's very much a, you, you cannot look at their voice through your lens or whatever problem they're working with through your lens. You have to find these little glimmers of their lens and how mm-hmm. they're perceiving whatever it is that they're doing because it's the only pathway in it's the only connection you can possibly make trying to put your process on someone else is quite the gamble i'm not going to say it's always going to fail because we've had lots of people teach their method and it works great for a lot of people of course but the the like true artistry comes from being able to, I think, depend on yourself for that instead of Mm -hmm. depend on the mimicry or the, you know what I mean? Not that mimicry is a great gateway, like really, really important. I think particularly like in making sounds, but also in life for just following our models that we see. Mm -hmm. Um, But the real work comes when you have to shift, when you learn to shift from your own uh, learn to shift from someone else's path to your own mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and i want to be that kind of teacher that help that fosters the other thing instead of the yeah. thing that's like do what i do you know yeah i so one of the things that kind of hit me to realize that is i had a student who liked to play piano when singing so they would want to do both um yeah. for them though they had to have sheet music in front of them they had to read it at all times and if it wasn't there they couldn't do it and I started to realize, I'm like, oh, so as a voice teacher, if I'm just telling them what to do, that's the sheet music. As soon as that goes away, they have nothing to go by. So then they don't know what to do. And I started to realize, I'm like, I have to teach them. Here's the sheet music. Now put that away and do that yourself now. And like, those are the steps. But that's how I felt. That, that, that's how it kind of hit me more than anything. It's such an excellent metaphor. Like, so, oh, we love a good metaphor that just like makes everything super clear for everybody. I live for Mm -hmm. it. That's so, so good. 
Yeah. <gasps> uh, all of that. So the the one thing before we get to the end of this that I want to bring yeah. up. So I talked about the fact that I, I like nerding out when it comes to this. So here's one thing that I found. And it's called Bicycle Face. Yes. So yes. for everybody listening, I saw a bunch of things. I read a bunch of things. I saw a bunch of videos on this. And it's the concept back in the late 1800s, 1800s, whatever. Uh, when it went from a big wheel to a to two even size wheels, all of a sudden it went from just like male dominated bicycle riders to women riding and doctors started to started to diagnose women with bicycle face based off of being flushed or out of breath or all of these things. And it was a way to keep them off a bike because as soon yeah. as you're on a bike, you can you can travel, you can leave. You're, you're not bound by your husband, I guess, in that sense. Yep, absolutely. It I've, I've watched this video as well. And even before you sent the email, I'd come across it, but I hadn't watched it in its entirety because I had read the articles that I sent you. And I was like, I think I know where this is going. I'll go back yeah. and I'll watch it later. And then I did watch it again this morning. And it is so fascinating. Yeah. It Like it surprises me, but also doesn't at the same time that these pathologies are invented to keep the social structures the same for those mm -hmm. in like which are very convenient for those in power very yeah. convenient right yeah. so much easier to be able to control your spouse or control the women in your life when they don't have the freedom or the access to freedom mm -hmm. that uh that makes life so much more i don't know enjoyable livable it's <laughs> fulfilling you know what yeah. i mean yeah so to hear that that was invented and how it relates over to imposter syndrome because similar thing right mm -hmm. similar thing how imposter syndrome wound up being invented um do you want to talk about that or do you want me to talk about that go ahead get <laughs> okay, it okay okay dig it so imposter syndrome came up when was it like the 1970s the term 78 i think was when the 1970 yeah 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 uh pauline what is her last name pauline i'm gonna look it up because this oh, is so important Yep, I got it. I wrote it down. Pauline Clance in 1978 wrote, wrote an article on imposter syndrome. Uh, the article was based off of the findings after interviewing and working with and observing women specifically, high achieving women, high, high achieving women. And they noticed that they were all feeling the same thing. And which was like this sensation of not enoughness, like, uh, how do I fit in? And over the course of this article plus the widespread of that information we get the term imposter syndrome and the word mm -hmm. imposter feels so like what's the criminal in a way there was an article sure. i was reading where it feels yeah. criminal and then syndrome they this was from another article that i should probably get the name of here but um syndrome kind of hails back to like the female hysteria stuff as yes. well so when you get these two words put together and you call this thing we're experiencing these really really big names you start to go there's something wrong with me there's mm -hmm. something terribly wrong with me that i'm feeling this way i have to fix it which mirrors bicycle face in a really big way right yeah it really does and that's <laughs> it is like it's the same I am shocked and yet not shocked right, by, exactly. by the system and how it works in, in that sense. And mm -hmm. I know like that's kind of one of the reasons, one of the many reasons uh, I also wanted to start this podcast as well to 
I, I like putting myself in uncomfortable situations at times and learning to learning to grow, learning what I do not know. Um, and I find when talking, emailing you, and then you were like, amazing, here's a bunch of stuff. And my brain went, oh no, this is so much bigger than I thought it was. Uh, <laughs> I was worried when I said that, I was like, oh no, I don't want to scare him away from this because this is so important. Yeah. But also it's, it is so much bigger than just the feeling of being an imposter. You know what I yeah. mean? Yeah. And I, I think what we need more of is we need more platforms where we give, uh, you know, women, people of color, everything, a platform to talk more and be present more. And I could come on to a podcast and talk and just talk and talk and talk sure for 10 15 minutes sometimes too much because i like to hear myself talk i guess uh, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah i could do that or i can bring on you know people who are marginalized who are who are suppressed and give them an up and at the same time learn more yes. and i think that's that's something this community just world needs yes. to do more of I totally agree. Um, <clears throat> I run the, as a part of the teacher certification program, I run like a, an alumni group as well. And initially the alumni group was, I would teach what we call pet head primers every single month. And I taught them every single month for a while. And mm. then I'm like, all they're getting is this echo chamber of me right now. I have to bring in other people so that they recognize my way is not the standard mm -hmm. in the voice industry, there is no such thing as a standard in the voice yeah. industry, you know what I mean? Yeah. So, and what's great about that is I also get to learn a lot from so, so many different teachers. So I'm with you. We need more of it. We should, uh, I, we love the word should, don't we? We have the opportunity to, to, when we have the opportunity to bring in other minds, it's something that would be greatly worthwhile, you know? Yeah. I, I, com yeah. I completely agree with that. Uh, I don't know how we can get any better than that. So I think we did it. Did we do it? Did we do the I podcast, think, Matt? I think we did it. I think it's here. We did it. And it's just these voices in my head that tell me I am better off giving up or giving in instead of letting people down. And now these voices pull me in and make me stay in bed instead of getting up and convincing me that the morning's not my friend and i know that i'm not the only one who's got these voices that they try